0: Welcome to Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Levine, the podcast host, joined by managing editor Lila Bromberg. And we'll be getting to preview Maryland football's game against number 21 Syracuse this coming Saturday in just a few days. And we'll be recapping their previous win over Howard. They won 79 to nothing over the Howard Bison. And we will be recapping a couple of the non-revenue sports that took place over the last couple of days when field hockey and volleyball and men's soccer, the reigning national champions. But we'll start off with Maryland football and their win 79 to nothing over the Howard Bison. Lila, you were there covering the game on Saturday. What did you see from both sides?
1: I mean, it was just a dominant performance by Maryland. Going into the game, I think that a lot of people didn't really know what to expect from Coach Loxley in his first year. You know, there's been a lot of positive talk. A lot of people are really high on him and think he's great for his program. And even though Howard is an FCS program, there's no denying how dominant this game was, how great they looked. So a lot of people are trying to use the fact that this was an FCS Howard team as a scapegoat. You know, they weren't a great team last season. They're, you know, with a new head coach. But if you look at the matchups between FBS and FCS opponents, this one stands out. You know, you had 40 games. And if you look at the games between uh, FBS teams that were unranked and FBS teams, um, there were only two schools that even like had similar blowouts. And both of those schools were ranked pretty high. You had number 15, Penn State, and then number, number 17, UCF, which is now 16th in the country. So the Nittany Lions uh, faced Idaho, who went four and seven in FCS play last season, is a team that's pretty comparable uh, to Howard, and they had the same number of points as the Terps, but they allowed a touchdown. It was a 79 to seven victory. And then if you look at um, you know the UCF Knights, they had a 62 to zero win over Florida AM, who finished six and five in 2018 FCS play. Um, so you know, really, there's no other program besides these ranked teams that were able to get such dominant wins over FCS plays. What do you think about what you know people were saying with that, and how much we could really take away from this 79-0 victory?
0: Well, I think anytime you blow out a team like that, even shutting them out, I don't think Maryland football has had a shutout in in quite a long time. And- Since
1: 2013 against West Virginia.
0: So there you go. It has been six seasons since a shutout for Maryland football. Getting a shutout in your first game of the season, especially under a new coach in Michael Oxley, that says something about the team. And obviously you have to look at their offense. Their offense put up 70 points. They scored a touchdown on special teams and they also had a safety, which is how they got to 79. But their offense put up 70 points with a new quarterback starting in Josh Jackson. So just this whole team overall really dominated the entire game. They scored 56 points in the first half, which is the most that any Maryland football team has put up in any half, first or second half. 56 points. That is an astonishing number to score in the first half. And they were one point shy of their program record of 80 points. They scored 79. Some people were saying all over Twitter that they, they stopped at 79 for Jordan McNair because he wore the number 79. But some of the players after the game didn't really say that. They just said that McNair is always with them when they play and whatnot. But I think any time you blow out a team and shut them out, it's in the first game of the season, it really sets the tone for the rest of the season.
1: And I think what was interesting with that is, and, you know, Loxley and the team talked about this as well, is that it wasn't just starters getting the 79-0 win. They were going all the way through their third team and they were still able to shut out Howard. They're still able to put up points, you know, even though the second half wasn't as amazing as the first, they're able to really still come away with this dominant win. You know, you saw Josh Jackson and, you know, he went 15 for 24 on completions. He had 245 yards and four touchdowns. He looked great in that performance. What did you think of how he looked?
0: Um, I think he was great. He was 15 of 24 with 245 passing yards and four touchdowns. And he really only played mostly in the first quarter and the second quarter until Pigram came in. But any time you have a new quarterback, throws for four touchdowns in a quarter, a quarter and a half, basically, that is just unreal. And he's under a new coach as well. He's really he, – he came into Maryland – with a lot of expectations, and I think he lived up to it in this first game. And he really found everyone. He found Dante Dimas for a touchdown. He found McFarland, gave, he handed it off to McFarland, and he was really spreading the ball to everyone on this offense. And as you said, it wasn't just the starters. So you, you obviously have to give him a, a lot of credit for four touchdowns, but it was a lot of other guys. Pigrome had a passing touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown as well. Tyler Desue at his first career touchdown. He ran it into the end zone. McFarlane had two rushing touchdowns. Jake Funk ran for a long touchdown. So really everyone got involved in this game. And that really helped Maryland get the win.
1: And what I thought was really interesting in that is that you saw more of a passing game from Maryland, not as much in the second half. In the second half, they decided to stick with the run a bit more, especially as they, you know, brought in, you know, the younger quarterbacks and, you know, the, you know, third and fourth string quarterbacks. But in the first half, you know, they had over 300 passing yards, um, and it vastly outnumbered the amount of rushing yards. And if you look at Maryland's recent history, that's not something that they've been able to use. Maryland has relied very, very heavily on the rushing game and frankly hasn't been able to throw the ball down the field. And I think that it was really positive that they were able to do that. And they also were able to get other positions involved, like the tight ends. We've been covering uh, throughout the offseason. I've been saying, you know, they're going to be using more tight ends. If you look at what Loxley did at Alabama using tight ends, and then you look at Maryland's tight ends in recent years, last year only getting 4% of the receiving yards, which is an astonishing low number, um, especially if you then consider how little the receiving yards uh, accounted into the whole team yard. So really they're, you know, accounting for maybe 1%, if not a little less, a little more of the team's uh, total offense. And so you had uh, Chigazima Conquo with two receptions for nine yards and a touchdown, Uh, You had Tyler Mabry with uh, one reception for 24 yards and a touchdown. You know, what did you think of the tight ends and how they're going to be used this year? Because that's one aspect that I'm really excited to see them develop.
0: Well, Mike Loxley at Alabama used a lot of tight ends in his offense. And you said Maryland hasn't really been a school or a program that uses them. And I think bringing Loxley in, having Tyler Mabry uh, transfer from Buffalo, it's really going to help their offense because they've always relied on the running game and the the sideline wide receivers, even the slot wide receivers to just go and throw the ball deep down the field for a touchdown. But now they have these tight ends who they can throw a small six yard pass to and gain a couple yards and move the ball down the field. And Chagosia Okonkwo and Tyler Mabry are really big targets for Josh Jackson and Tyler, Tyrell Pigrom, excuse me, that these, these tight ends can really help progress this offense.
1: Yeah, I honestly could see Tyler Mabry, you know, going in the draft after this year. I think he's a really talented guy, and I think that with tight ends, you're able to do a lot more that you couldn't necessarily do with, you know, wide receivers. These are big guys that can block, and that's really going to come to Maryland's advantage. And then if you do look at the wide receivers, I think that's that was a big question going into the season because you've Jayshon Jones go down with an ACL injury, but I was very, very impressed with Dante Dimas three receptions and 100 yards and two touchdowns on three receptions that is it what did you think of how he looked
0: well the first one uh, his first touchdown he i think it was one of his longer ones he really got open and was just able to break free broke a few tackles and then ran it all the way i have not seen a guy with speed like dante Dimas in a long time he's a tall skinny wide receiver and he's really really quick and gets past his defenders the second touchdown that he caught I think he broke free from the safety of the cornerback maybe 15 yards down the field, and he was just by himself. It was basically a freebie after that. He he knows how to free up space, and obviously just three receptions, getting 100 yards and two touchdowns, that's how you produce for Maryland. You just have to find a way to get the yards and get into the end zone, and Dante Dimas really did that in the game against Howard.
1: Right, and then you had DJ Turner who had uh, the, you know, Return touchdown, you know, Maryland's first since 2016. I think he'll be great to use as well. But one thing that I thought was interesting, you know, we talked about how the passing game was used a bit more, uh, the rushing game was used a bit more in the second half, but you didn't see much of Anthony McFarland. What do you think of that decision?
0: Well, just six rushing attempts for 19 yards and two touchdowns. He still produced two touchdowns from Anthony McFarland. Obviously, last year he broke the school freshman uh, rushing record. And we saw him break free for 80-yard touchdowns, 70-yard touchdowns. This time, we really only saw touchdowns within 10 yards in the red zone. So I think there was a specific reason to him not seeing a lot of snaps in this game. Obviously, they were playing Howard. They were blowing them out right away, 28 points in the first quarter. Maybe Loxley didn't want McFarland to, uh, to get hurt in this game, but you have to look at who they're playing this week, and they're playing Syracuse, who has a phenomenal defense, one of the best defenses in the country, and that might be why McFarland didn't really see that many snaps in week one, because they wanted him to rest, and they knew that he would have to practice really, really hard this week for Syracuse.
1: And I liked what I saw them being used more out of the backfield with the running backs as well. That's another thing that we've talked about this offseason, but... Uh, Coach Loxley has said is going to happen that Scotty Montgomery the offensive coordinator has said is going to be more involved and you know when I've talked to the running backs they are so excited to be used in that way especially Anthony McFarland he is so excited to show off his versatility more Um, you saw you know Jake Funk I think he you know caught a couple passes in that game and you know there's just a lot of talent there you got Teon Fleet Davis too um, you know Javon Leak there's just so much talent within the running back room and I'm excited to see how they use them this year.
0: Yeah. And after the game, I, in the press conference, I overheard Dante Dimas saying that Maryland has the best running back crew in the entire country. And I I started to think about it and he might be right. And you can argue that Maryland does have the best running back crew in the entire nation with Anthony McFarland, Javon Leak, Teon Fleet Davis, and Jake Funk. They are just solid, solid running backs. They can all catch the ball. They can all run the ball. They're all quick and they all know how to produce yards and scores. So I think that was something that Dante Dimas said, that it might end up being true, and we'll see how they produce.
1: Yeah, and they have, you know, the talent there, I think, offensively, but I think the question on offense is going to be the offensive line. That was an area that Loxley, you know, he wasn't the most pleased with, Um, and I think that that's really, especially this week, going to be a concern, and we'll see how that line progresses. I know throughout fall camp, he said he wanted to see a bit more aggression there, so we'll see how that plays out, because I really think that's the one thing that might be limiting this offense.
0: Yeah, I think Josh Jackson, after the game, also in the press conference, he said that obviously that was his first game back from being hurt at Virginia Tech. So he said he was a little bit scared to get hit. And he did admit that he did get hit hard a couple times by Howard. But Howard really wasn't a threat to the offensive line. Their defense isn't that great compared to obviously Syracuse, one of the best defenses in the country. So the offensive line this week has to be really, really crisp in their blocks and really protect the quarterbacks because... Obviously, they don't want Josh Jackson getting hit and getting sacked. They want to win this game, and they're going to have to do everything right. And that starts with the offensive line because Syracuse's defensive line can really, really rush the quarterback and get a lot of hits, and they want to protect the QB.
1: And speaking of sacks, let's talk about the defense. I mean, not a single point allowed through rotations through a third, you know, from first to second to third team and eight sacks. Maryland has not produced a lot of sacks in recent years it hasn't gotten the production there that it's wanted to and that was very impressive it was you know the most sacks they've had in a very very long time and you know it puts them on pace to completely blow out the sacks they've had in recent years and you saw great performances from linebackers uh, Shaq Smith and Keandre Jones the two transfers what do you think of what they're going to bring to this team especially after seeing them in this first game?
0: Well, pointing to what they did in the first game, they both had a sack. I think Jones had a sack and a half, if not Shaq Smith. I don't have the stats right in front of me. It was me, Keandre
1: but... Jones, I think, with a sack and a half. Yeah, Very so
0: impressive. They both have experience. Obviously, Jones coming from Ohio State, one of the best teams in the country. And Shaq Smith won a national championship in Clemson. So they know how, they know how to play against the top teams in the country. and They're bringing their experience here, and they're really helping this defense because – From my time being here, I have not seen Maryland's defense play that well like they did on Saturday against Howard. Obviously, you said they got to the quarterback. They were, again, making tackles for losses. They only allowed four first downs for Howard's offense, and one of those first downs came off a pass interference from one of the players in the secondary. So, really, they only allowed Howard to get three first downs, and they had one rushing yard. Maryland's defense held Howard to one rushing yard. That is an astonishing number. That has to be one of the best games for the defense that they've ever had. And just 67 passing yards as well. So 68 total yards from Howard. Maryland's defense really, really had them in check. They were getting to the quarterback. They were making every tackle. They had a turnover off a fumble. And I think they had an all-around amazing game.
1: And now if you look at Maryland's defense, they're ranked as the number one defense in the entire country right now. Now, I don't think it's realistic to think that that's going to hold. I mean, maybe, you know, something crazy will happen, but, you know, that's very impressive. Right now they're uh, third in rushing yards allowed. Uh, They look really, really good, especially like you said, on, you know, those third downs, making sure they're not letting their opponent get any second chances, uh, you know, at making another play.
0: Yeah, and something that that the maryland terrapins have struggled with in the past is picking up penalties on uh when the other team is on third down and giving them a free first down maryland really did not do that this game they only did that once it was third down and they gave up a pass interference allowing the first down that was the only time that they committed a penalty on third down so i think that has to you have to point that to the coaching mike loxley is really making them crisp in every move that they make and they're being really successful on the defensive side and It doesn't just start with Shaq Smith and Keandre Jones. It's also guys like Antoine Brooks and Tino Ellis. And I saw Antoine Brooks. He was all over the field, tackles for losses in the first drive. He had two of them. So he's really everywhere. He's a guy in the secondary, but he's playing up. He's rushing the quarterback. He's trying to get to the running back. He's really all over the field. And he might be one of the guys that if he's on, the entire defense is on
1: yeah it's a great team and like you said limiting mistakes that is something that every single time I've talked to coach Loxley he has brought up he has said that he does not want this team to be a team that beats itself you know Maryland has done that in past years we've all seen it we've all been there watching those games and it's hard to watch but Loxley comes from a program like Alabama where Nick Saban is not going to tolerate those mistakes and that's why they are successful in you know You know, the success that they've had has been crazy. Um, And Loxley did a great job with them. And that has all along been a huge goal for him. He does not want this team to be a team that beats itself. And that's what Maryland has done in recent years. And when you have talent like this, it's really a positive sign to see that not only are they executing, uh, you know, offensively, When they need to, but also when it comes to those moments where in the past they would give up, you know, a stupid penalty, that they're not doing that anymore. And you know, we'll see how that holds. But that's not something that's going to change as much, you know, from team to team. And so that's something that I think they can really carry over and continue to build on.
0: So Maryland will host number twenty-one Syracuse this coming Saturday. Before we get to that preview, we'll we'll recap, excuse me, some of the games from men's soccer this past week. The preseason-ranked number one team in the country now ranked the number three team after going 1-1 one and one this past week. They beat South Florida one nothing and then lost to number 12 Virginia at Audi Field. They lost 2 nothing, So only one goal scored in their first two games. But last season, the Terps didn't score until almost 400 minutes into the season. And they didn't win until their fifth game. They picked up a win in their first game here. So does that get them off on the right foot, Lila?
1: I think... Last season showed us that it doesn't matter the foot you get off on. I mean, we all want to say it does. And of course it, you know, does somewhat. But I think if you talk to anyone who was watching Maryland soccer last year in those first five games, you would have been crazy to say they're going to win an NCAA championship. But they did it. And one thing that Sasha talked about this week was that he schedules these tough games at the beginning of a season, so he can see the weaknesses of his teams, so that he can see exactly what they need to work on. And they did that last year. And even though they took this loss to number 12, Virginia, you know, going, you know, 0-2 in that game, he liked that the team was really able to learn from themselves in that game. And they're going to try and use that to get better. And, you know, they face... Uh, UCLA on Friday they are returning to California for the first time since winning the College Cup which the team seems excited to do. Uh, Sasha said that he hopes to continue the uh, good California vibes this weekend that they had last time they were there and it's a very storied rivalry uh, with UCLA. What are you expecting out of them in that match?
0: Well I think anytime they play a top team Obviously, they saw their weaknesses against Virginia. And I think in a coach with Sasho Swarovski, he is the fastest guy, might be the fastest guy in the country to correct the mistakes that his team makes. And we saw that last year when they went on to win the national championship after not winning until their fifth game. So they clearly didn't, They it didn't matter to them what they did in the beginning of the season. They turned it around. So right now, sitting at one and one, going to this game against UCLA, I think if their mistakes are corrected which they probably will be, then they should be okay to face UCLA.
1: Yeah, and the thing with UCLA, it's interesting, they lost 1-0 to them last year, so I think they'll be seeking a little revenge uh, with that, and it was around the same time last year. Um, it was on September 9th last year. And, you know, UCLA isn't, at, hasn't, isn't as good of a season as they have been in past years, but it's still going to be a very, very tough game. They're still um, a top team, even if they aren't ranked, and I'm excited to see that. Um, you know, women's soccer hasn't had as so much success, their two and two big vac games this weekend but you know let's get into you know field hockey a very continuously successful program for maryland in the fall sports season
0: field hockey runner up in the nation the last two the last two seasons they came in second in the national championship game losing to north carolina last year and now they come into the season preseason ranked number two in the country which they did finish the last two seasons so Now 2-0, they won over Richmond 5-1, and they beat New Hampshire 5-0. So just one goal allowed, 10 goals scored in their first two games. And they scored three goals off the penalty corner in game one. And obviously, the player that I'm looking at right now is Kyler Greenwald. She had two goals in her first game back since she tore her ACL last year. And when you score two goals in your first game back from any injury— that is a great feat to accomplish. And she did that off an ACL tear. And I think she is really an electric player that can really help the Terps.
1: Yeah, I am a big Kyler Greenwalt fan. I was on that beat last year uh, for another publication covering them full time. And, you know, I talk to her a lot. She's one of the funniest, sweetest players on that team, but she is dominant. And the thing that makes Kyler unique, I think, to a lot of athletes is as much as, you know, people want to say that they aren't affected by injuries and they don't you know, that it doesn't bring them down. A lot of times it does. But, um, you know, Kyler, she tore her ACL in the last game of the season, uh, of the regular season, right before they were, you know, in the NCAA tournament. You know, that's got to be crushing. But, you know, she got back up and was there for the team, being her cheerful, bubbly self. And, you know, she's doing that this season. She isn't letting it hold her back. And I think that's what makes her unique. And uh, she's just continuing to improve, and she's going to be huge for them.
0: Yeah, and Jen Bleakney, a transfer from Syracuse, she won a national championship with the Orange and now coming into Maryland. I think she's bringing a lot of experience. She was named a captain by head coach Missy Mahark. So when you're named a captain in your first season with a new team, that has to be something that the coach really sees in her. So I really do think she will help this team. And she scored a goal in her first game as well. She scored a goal in the second game. So now she has two goals already in just two games. And they will go on to face two ACC teams. This weekend, number 13, Boston College and number three, Duke in the Big Ten ACC Cup at Northwestern. But before we preview that stuff, B.B. Donrat in game two, obviously, against New Hampshire when they won 5-0. B.B. Donrat, the Big Ten Freshman of the Year last season, she scored two goals. One of them was one of the best goals I've ever seen in a field hockey game. She chipped it over the defender to herself. And then once the ball hit the ground once, it bounced back up. She took a swing at it and it hit the bar, the crossbar, and came down into the net. So basically, she chipped it to herself and hit it in midair to score. And that was one of the most skillful goals I've ever seen in my entire life in field hockey.
1: Yeah, she is a very talented young player. She really impressed as a freshman. Both she and Bodil Koos are two you know, young players on that team who have really, really impressed me. And I think they're just going to continue to build this year. And, you know, you mentioned the games coming up this weekend. It's their first big test. Right. You know, the first two games were not against, you know, great opponents. You know, obviously they scored five goals in each game, only allowed one goal. But you're now facing the number three team in the country, number two versus number three. And so I'm really excited to watch that one. And, you know, Boston College is a great um, team as well. So I think we'll really get to see what this team is made of this weekend.
0: Yeah. And obviously, Missy Mahargan, her 32nd season, one of the best coaches all time in collegiate field hockey. And I think she knows how to prepare her team for, for games like this against two top 15 teams in the country. Obviously, those first two games were easy for the Terps. Their first test, as you mentioned, I think they'll be very well prepared to face against Boston College and Duke this weekend.
1: And the last non-revenue sport that we'll bring up is volleyball. They have started the season uh, 3-0, and taking wins over Austin P, Kansas State, and Howard. And they travel this weekend to the UTSA Classic in San Antonio, where, uh, you know, they're going to take on Houston, UTSA, and UTRGV. And then after that, they'll host the Maryland Invite. And, you know, in their last game against Howard, they were a little sloppy, allowing a ton of errors. But overall, this team has a ton of talent. And I think this is the year that they finally make the tournament. They've been on the bubble for the past two seasons. uh, And I think they're really hungry in their second year of a new head coach and, Um, I think things are going to look positive for them, but they need to clean up those errors um, because they can't beat themselves on serves like that.
0: Yeah, anytime a team misses a lot of serves, it really puts you in a bad spot in volleyball. And they beat Howard in five sets. They beat Kansas State in five sets, and they swept Austin Peay. So two close games, obviously, going to the fifth set. Their first game of the year was a clean sweep. So when Maryland is in these fifth set games, those errors really can't happen and that is why they won. Their errors their errors came earlier in the sets, obviously in the first or second set. But now in the fifth set, when you face a team, any team, you really can't commit errors when you're in that final game because you need to win that fifth set to win the match. And Maryland did a good job of that, obviously, this past week, going 3-0 and and winning two of those in five sets. And I think their test now is to face these three teams coming up in the UTSA Classic. So it's their first time Going on the road this season, and actually, no, it's their it's their third time going on the road because Howard was the first time they played at home. And I think their second year under Adam Hughes, and they only lost really one successful player in Liz Twilly. she graduated, was one of their top players last year, and, and her whole time at Maryland. But now they're really looking to their returning players in Raynell Jones, Erica Pritchard, and... Really, everyone on that roster who is returning from last season, they can really contribute in every way possible. And that, I think my prediction for them is to definitely get into the tournament this season.
1: Yeah, I think this is the year they finally do that. And now what you've all been waiting for, we have a huge matchup this weekend. We've got Maryland versus number, one, number 21 Syracuse. What do you think about this matchup coming up? It's a big one.
0: Well, the first thing I always look at before Maryland football or Maryland basketball plays, I look at ESPN and I look at the spread and the over-under. And the spread has been changing quite a bit over the last couple of days. I saw Maryland was underdogs by four points. Then they were underdogs by two and a half. And then they took the spread and now they're favored by two points over Syracuse this weekend. And clearly everyone's betting on the Terps. The 21-ranked team in Syracuse. Unranked Maryland, but I think this will be a very, very defensively sound game from both teams. Not high scoring because Syracuse, their offense struggled a little bit. They only won twenty-four nothing in their season opener against Liberty. Maryland obviously won seventy-nine nothing, but they're not scoring anywhere near that against Syracuse, one of the best defenses in the country. And the over/under is set at fifty-eight and a half points, and I, I have to take the under here. There is no way that these teams combined, for even 24 points each. I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll be somewhere around 24-20, 20-17. I think Maryland comes out with a win here. I think behind the home crowd, if this game was in the Carrier Dome, I'd go with Syracuse. But just because it's here in College Park, I think the Terps come out on top.
1: Yeah, I was very surprised by that over-under. I mean, you've got two teams who had shutouts in their first games of the season. There, There's no way that, you know they score, you know, 58.5 points. I don't see uh, there being, like you said, them scoring more than 24. I see, I put my prediction at 2017. You know, you say you have the Terps, but you know, as much as that would be great to see Maryland upset a ranked team, I think, you know, that Syracuse is going to be able to execute on this one and get the 20 to 17 win. I could be wrong. This is a game that I'm you know, a little unsure about. I think it's really going to be a toss-up. It's really going to be a hard-fought game. You've got the number uh, two rushing defense in the country in Syracuse, the number three rushing defense in Maryland, and then the number one overall defense in Maryland. Two shutouts, as you said. Syracuse went 10-2 and two last season, I believe, somewhere around there. And sorry, 10-3. and three. They looked very, very good last season. They almost knocked off Clemson. So I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, What are you watching for in this game?
0: I'm definitely watching for Josh Jackson because it's his first real test against a former ACC rival when he was at Virginia Tech. He played against Syracuse. He knows their schemes. He knows what they do. And he can bring that here and maybe help the Terps get a win. So I think it's his first test against a good team this season. Obviously, Howard, not a good team. We saw they won... They lost seventy nine nothing so it's really Josh Jackson's first test against Syracuse and I'm also looking for if we're talking about Maryland I'm looking for Anthony McFarland because he did not see a lot of snaps in game one and now here in week two against a ranked team, I think he's going to be relied on heavily on offense and that'll take pressure off of Josh Jackson as well so I think it'll be interesting to see how Mike Loxley runs this offense and if he's the one calling the plays, if Scotty Montgomery calls the plays, or if Josh Jackson even calls the plays, because I do think Josh Jackson can bring in some experience from playing in
1: the ACC against Syracuse. Yeah. And Mike Loxley has been, you know, pretty set that you know, Scotty's gonna be up in the booth calling the plays, but he's gonna be down on the field with Hoke, obviously, you know, helping and, you know, doing a ton. Um, and I think that's a really interesting decision and a really smart decision to not play Anthony McFarlane as much because Syracuse has a very, very dominant uh, defensive line. USA Today, um, sorry, Bleacher Report had them as the number six uh, defensive line in the country. They return a ton of talent there. You know, they have uh, Alton Robinson, who, uh, you know, last season he ranked eighth nationally in sacks per game with .83 per game. He had 39 combined tackles, 31 of which were solo, 17 tackles for loss, and three forced fumbles. And all of those were atop the leaderboards in both across the country and the ACC. Then it continues with Kendall Coleman, who had 10 sacks for 78 yards last season, 12 tackles for loss for 95 yards, and 32 combined tackles. So it's a stacked defensive line. And then if you look then at the defensive back group, there's talent there too. You've got um, Andre Sisco, who is ranked by USA Today as the number four defensive back in the nation, and he's only a sophomore. Last season, as a freshman, he was tied for the most interceptions in the entire country. And Shaq Smith this week, who played with him at IMG in high school, you know, said that he's a ball hawk and he's someone that really is tricky and is going to, uh, he thinks, you know, is really going to be someone that they're going to have to watch that could stifle this defense. And uh, it's going to be tougher for his offensive line that, you know, really needs some improvement, hasn't been the strongest. And we'll see what Maryland can do.
0: Yeah, I think their big test is going up against a defense like this. But also, Syracuse is known for their quick-paced offense, and they have a really high-tempo offense. But they're under a new freshman quarterback, so I think that is something to look out for in Maryland's defense shaping up against a new freshman quarterback.
1: Yeah, and let's hear a little bit what Mike Loxley had to say this week at uh, his presser ahead of the Syracuse game. Uh, Syracuse is a, a team that won 10 games a year ago. Well deserved ranking going into the preseason. Uh, You know, well coached program. You know, Dino Babers, who I've known for quite a long time in the business, is one of the best, uh, you know, offensive minds and has done a great job in building that program. Uh, Much like us, they have quite a few guys from the DMV area on their roster, which I think uh, makes that game, makes this
0: type of game interesting for us as our players have opportunities to compete against guys that they've played against. uh, in their high school days, you know, they returned eight starters on the
1: defensive side of the ball, which to me, having had opportunity to watch some of the film, you know, they're really, uh really aggressive on the defensive side of the ball, really well coached. what do you think of, you know, what Loxley just said there?
0: Well, I think he first pointed to their defense and obviously he mentioned stuff about Syracuse's head coach, how he knows him for a long time. He's one of the best offensive minds, but he really said something about their defense and how how solidified their defense is returning all those eight starters. And I think that is the head storyline for this weekend is how Syracuse's defense will shape up against the Terps' offense.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they then correlate between the passing game and the rushing game depending on what they're seeing. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on how the offensive line performs as well. Uh, they saw kind of a unique... Uh, defensive alignment last year. I'm sorry, last week against Howard uh, with the zero coverage, which they weren't the biggest fan of, but they made work. So, you know, when you're facing a much more talented defense, it's going to be interesting then how they're able to, you know, pick and choose whether they're going to pass or run. Which do you think is going to be working out better for this, for Maryland uh, this weekend, the run or the pass game?
0: Um, I think that their running game will work better because. Their defensive line is is very, very good for Syracuse. And they're going to be getting to Josh Jackson in the backfield. So he has to find his other weapons, and that's going to be Anthony McFarlane. Whether it's actually handing him the ball or dumping it off for a little five-yard pass and then McFarlane runs up the sideline, I think it'll be something like that. I don't think we'll see a lot of deep threat passes from Josh Jackson because I think if he has time in the pocket— He's going to get rushed by the defensive line. He's going to get hit. And the Terps offensive line has been one of their weaker spots on this team. So obviously Syracuse is with that top defense. They're going to blitz a lot. They're going to get to Josh Jackson. So he's going to have to find a way to dump it off to guys in the backfield like Anthony McFarlane, Javon Leak, Teon Fleet Davis, and even Jake Funk a little bit. And I think that will really help against this defense.
1: And this is a game that, you know, which was originally supposed to be on ESPN 2. It was moved to ESPN. You know, it's not prime time. It's at 12, but still, it's on ESPN. And Anthony McFarland is a guy who a lot of people could be a, a big draft pick. He's going to be eligible after this year to enter the draft. He's a huge talent. I think that he's one of the most underrated running backs in the country. And I think this is going to be, I think he's going to come with the mindset. You know, of course, he's a team player. He always says he comes into a game wanting to help his team. But I think in the back of his mind, or at least a little bit, you know, there's going to be that factor to really want to show the country what he's made of against a ranked team.
0: Yeah. And last time against ranked teams last season, I think his biggest game of the year came against Ohio State and they were yes, ranked. it did. I believe they were ranked number nine at that time. So he rushed for over 200 yards in that game. And the Terps just lost in overtime. So we'll see what he does here. I think he'll be hungry to get back. He didn't see that much playing time last week. And that wasn't because he's not capable of it. It's because they were preparing him for this week. So if he's well-prepared all week— And rested. And rested. He's very well-rested at this point, I would say. He should produce a lot against Syracuse.
1: And you mentioned something that you think they're going to do, you know, a rushing game a lot. And while I do think that's something that they'll go to, I think that in past years, if Maryland faced, you know, this team with a different quarterback, they would really be in a tough position. Um, in the past, they haven't really had quarterbacks that can throw on the run effectively as much. But I think one thing that makes Josh Jackson really unique that's really could help the team this week and maybe even let them do some long passes here and there is that he can throw on the run. He is great at maneuvering. He's a very smart guy who can make quick decisions and get the ball out of the pocket. You know, Loxley wants to see a little bit more urgency from him, which I think we'll see this week against a top team. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts and how we see him play now with Maryland's offensive line behind him instead of uh, Virginia Tech's.
0: Yeah, I think obviously Virginia Tech, a, a better program if you look at it down the whole line, but he has these guys now and he has to trust them. I think it's all about trust. And I I saw in the last press conference that, they, uh, I forget which reporter asked, but someone asked If he's uh, calling the audibles or if the center Johnny Jordan is and and uh, Josh Jackson said it's both of them. They both combine. They both do it together and they both communicate very well. And if you're communicating well and trusting the offensive line, Josh Jackson should have no problem against this defense.
1: One thing I'm also interested to watch in this game that Loxley mentioned, it's not as big of a storyline, but he you know, they call Loxley the godfather of the DMV. He prides himself on recruiting the talent in this area. And he mentioned that there are going to be quite a few uh, DMV connections on this roster. I'll go down the list right now and tell you about some of them. Um, so you have all from the D.C. area from uh, Syracuse. You have defensive back uh, Dwayne Johnson, wide receiver Ed Hendricks, defensive back Amon Greenwood, linebacker. Juan Wallace, wide receiver Nakeem Johnson, uh, and defensive lineman uh, Caleb Okachuaku. Sorry if I mispronounced to pronounce that. Uh, so those are guys from the D.C. area. And then from Landover, Maryland, you have Syracuse running back uh, Abdul Adams. Uh, and then you also have some more connections from Baltimore, where on Syracuse you've got uh, defensive lineman Kingsley Jordan. Uh, and then you have connections within, uh, again, from the uh, yeah. You have connections also uh, between Maryland players and Syracuse players from other areas in the country. Uh, Shaq Smith, as we said, played uh, high school at IMG with Andre Sisco, and uh, a number of other Syracuse players played there. A bunch of the D.C. guys played together. Uh, Maryland wide receiver Jaden Kama and Syracuse defensive back Kyle Strickland played together in Georgia. I mean, if you just go down this list, there's so many connections. How do you think that'll factor into this game?
0: Well, I think anytime you play a familiar face, it can be used against the other team. So obviously Shaq Smith playing with one of his high school teammates, he knows the tactic of that specific player. He can tell the rest of the Terps what that player does and try to use that against him and his weaknesses. And, And I know that obviously can work both ways where the Syracuse guys can tell their teammates what the Maryland guys do, but I think it'll be a very back and forth game between guys that are familiar with each other from when they were younger.
1: It's almost like a battle for, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it a battle for the DMV, but it's also, you know, kind of showing, I think, you know, if Maryland comes out in this one, it's showing then recruits in the area, hey, look, you can stay in the area and win against ranked teams. You know, these guys went to Syracuse from the area, but, you know, they didn't beat us. I think that that'll be kind of a pride point that they want to show If you talk to anyone on this team, Shaq Smith, Keandre Jones, Anthony McFarlane, they all talk about the joy of playing at home for Maryland, of playing for their state, and that they want to, you know, make Maryland a place, and Lockley has talked about it too, where players want to come and stay. Because there's so much talent in this area with the WCAC, with DeMatha, with all the schools in Baltimore, in the D.C. area, and that's really a point of pride for this team. They're going to look to show that and show... Look, we can beat a ranked team, we can stay at home and do that.
0: Yeah, anytime you beat a ranked team, that really helps with recruiting. And I think that's also another point that helps with recruiting is starting transfer players. Obviously, you have to start Shaq Smith and you have to start Keandre Jones, but
1: And Josh Jackson, of course.
0: I think that I think that's where I was going with this is that Loxley went to Josh Jackson to show recruits and to show transfers that listen, if you want to transfer to Maryland, you can start right away. and I think that really helps. And I think what helps more is beating a ranked team where familiar guys around the area go there. If you if you come to Maryland, they still be, they still beat on ranked teams. and that will that will help a lot with recruiting for Loxley.
1: Right. and as we talked about ranked teams, I think that might play into Maryland's favor because after this week, Syracuse will play Clemson the number one team in the nation the defending national champions and you know if they lose this game They probably won't get to play game day against them I don't think that'll be as big of a factor, but I think there's a huge chance that Syracuse overlooks Maryland this week uh, with Clemson coming up
0: This could very well be a trap game for them It could be They're just looking to play Clemson. They're not really focusing on the Terps They could be looking at next week's game already mentally even in the film booth, they could already be starting to prepare for Clemson. And I think one thing that Coach Loxley does very well is he focuses on the game that is coming up and twenty four hours later, it's the next week. Twenty four hours later after that one, it doesn't matter win or lose, completely new mindset to face the next team that you play. And Syracuse facing Clemson next week could really look past Maryland here.
1: Yeah, and then it's interesting then how the, you know, spreads play into that because you know, Syracuse was favored and now they're not. I wonder, you know, a lot of times teams don't pay attention to that, but I wonder if that plays a factor at all. That maybe uh, they were initially overlooking Maryland and maybe now aren't, you know, as much, but it might be a little too late.
0: And ESPN's Football Power Index is giving Maryland a 66.8% chance to win against Syracuse this weekend. I think that's a pretty, pretty high number against the 21st team in the country.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they're you know, their uh, power index and, you know, some of their projections also changed after the first game. Initially, they had Maryland winning around four games, and now they have them projected to win 6.5. And that would make Maryland bowl eligible for the first time in a few seasons. And I think that'll be really interesting too, and that this game against Syracuse is going to be a deciding factor for the rest of the season. If you win this game, if you knock off a ranked team and, you know, do it in this way, you're going to have confidence going into the rest of the year. You're going to have confidence facing the tough big East teams that you have to face each season. But I think if you lose this game, it's a big, you know, letdown and it could affect their confidence. It could affect how they feel about themselves. So or even if they just, you know, play well in this game and lose, I think it could help them.
0: Yeah. And last the last two seasons, Maryland started off beating a ranked team in the Texas Longhorns. Obviously, they didn't get to play a ranked team this year, but they're playing one in the second week, which is almost the same early in the season. So if they get a win here, it'll be three straight seasons with a win over a ranked team in the first two weeks. And that really sets the tone for the rest of the season because they have a very tough schedule. They play Penn State at home. They're ranked. They play Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Michigan State in the last four games of the year all in a row. Four ranked teams all in a row to end the year. So their wins are going to have to come early and often. Because those last four games are very, very tough games for Maryland.
1: Yeah, and this is a game that is going to be really telling, like we said. And one point that I we haven't hit on that I'm kind of intrigued by is Syracuse uses two running backs uh, in the backfield. And, you know, in the past, Maryland, we've talked about how Maryland has one of the most talented running back groups in the country. You know, while Anthony McFarland is definitely their go-to guy, they have a ton of other talent there. And Syracuse is a team that has two guys as well. How do you think that will affect things on, you know, the defensive end for Maryland? We've talked a lot about the offensive end, but, you know, let's kind of get into how we think Maryland's defense will perform.
0: Well, most teams in the country don't use two guys that two big weapons in the backfield at the same time they could use them separately but Maryland is also a team that does or can use two guys in the backfield so I think their defense in practice when Maryland practices their offense and defense against each other their defense has seen two guys in the backfield each and every day and they will be very well prepared to see that against Syracuse because that's what they practice against every day every day
1: Yeah, I think that that's a great point that you make right there. You know, every day they have to go up against so many different backs. If you talk to anyone on the defense in Maryland uh, and you ask them about the running backs, they will tell you how talented that group is, how much better it makes them in every single practice. So that'll really be interesting to see and see if Maryland can continue to really hold a team uh, on you know, their defensive end, like they were able to do in the first game of the season, if they can continue to be one of the most dominant defensive teams in the country.
0: Yeah, I think this game really tests Maryland's defense because they performed extremely well against Howard. They have a test here against Syracuse. They have to keep up with their offense because their offense is quick. But with the freshman quarterback for Syracuse, he threw two interceptions last week against Liberty. So just 176 yards and two interceptions, no passing touchdowns. And that has to be something that Maryland has to do is pick up turnovers, pick up interceptions, try to get them to fumble the ball because they're going to have to really keep up with a fast paced offense.
1: Yeah, their offense did not look good last week. And it was against, you know, a Liberty team that is barely FBS was just added FBS. And honestly, most people consider an FCS school still in terms of talent so you know the fact that their defense they're sorry the fact that their offense was stifled by a defense that isn't really that great I think has to be really concerning for them But, you know, Maryland fans can't overlook them. They are a fast offense, as Mike Loxley uh, mentioned. Their coach has a great offensive mind, can come up with some great things. So I think that he's going to come up with a new game plan. But, you know, with this inexperienced quarterback, that's where you then have, on the defensive end, uh, Antoine Brooks and Tino Ellis both come in for Maryland. Those are two guys who have the ability to really intercept the ball, to get on those receivers, to take advantage of uh, Tommy's mistakes.
0: Yeah, those two guys really are going to catapult their defense this weekend. And they, they're they the two guys who have been here for a while. They know the team. They know their, their teammates. And they know how to really help Maryland win. And I think with those guys, if they pick up an interception, even just one, that can turn it into a score. And the offense can take the field and put it in the end zone. So anytime you take away the ball, it can really help your team score points. And I think that Antoine Brooks and Tino Ellis are the first guys you have to look at to do that.
1: And what's really interesting, if you look at the stats, you know, obviously Maryland scored a ton more. uh, But if you look at the yards, the difference is huge. Maryland had 623 total yards, and Syracuse only had 368. What do you make of that, Matt?
0: Well, 368 total yards is, is, it's pretty good. But You have to look at the 623, and that is just an astonishing number. 623 total yards as just opposed to, it's basically 300, almost 300 yards less for Syracuse. And if that happens this week again, which I don't think it will, I think it'll be much closer, but if Maryland has more yards, they're likely to score more points. And I think you have to keep up and their their offense really just has to produce well. They have to and I think Josh Jackson said it that they have to do everything right in order to win. And if they do everything right, they're they're going to have more yards by a long a long shot once again. But if you look at that defense, Syracuse's defense, we've been saying how great it is. They allowed a total of two hundred and thirty-four yards to Liberty. Maryland just allowed sixty-eight yards to Howard. So I think there's a lot to look at there because Liberty and Howard are two teams that are kind of similar lower end division one schools and syracuse allowed 234 yards to them to liberty so i don't know what they'll allow to maryland but maryland's a much much better offense than liberty mm-hmm. so you'd have to assume that they'll allow more yards to the terps
1: but what's interesting there's a negative four rushing yards which is pretty crazy we're saying we think rushing and, you know, running the ball will play a big role, but maybe passing will play a bigger role than expected. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. I think it's really just going to come down to the offensive line. And you mentioned something earlier that you think when we did our predictions, which we'll go over again in a little bit, that you fought the home crowd and just playing at home is going to help Maryland. But if you look at how the students have shown up, how fans have shown up in recent years, it hasn't been great. Does that change this Saturday?
0: I think with it being a ranked team, you'll see a lot more students, a lot more fans from the area come into Capital One Field. Obviously, Howard, not a good team, not even in the uh, FBS. So you'd have to assume that fans show up for this game against Syracuse. It's their biggest game since Ohio State last year. And when Ohio State played, the entire stadium seemed to be packed, or at least the most packed that it can be. So I assume that there will be more students and more fans there just because it is Syracuse, a ranked team and a familiar face because Maryland used to play in the ACC. So the older Terp fans from around the area might come in because they used to see a team like Syracuse often.
1: And one thing I thought was really interesting that shocked me from the press box against Howard was, you know, it didn't stay through the end of the game. Not a lot of people stay through 79-0. But at the beginning of the game, the student section was a lot more full than I had seen at any game covering last season. And this game, they have a unique chance to watch history be made. Maryland has not won uh, a game against a ranked team at home uh, since the ACC days. That was a game that involved Russell Wilson, because, you know, the games against Texas, one game against Texas is technically a neutral site. So it did not count as a home game. So if we look at the last time they played, I mean, Russell Wilson was at quarterback, you know, that's a long time ago. What do you think about the chance to make history here?
0: Yeah, I don't think many fans or students are really noticing the fact that they can make history. But anytime a ranked team comes into town, you have to assume that fans are going to show out for this this game. They want to, Not only do they want to see Maryland try and win this game, but you also want to see the opponent play. It's always a special time to see a college football team that's ranked, to see them play in person. So I think that a lot of fans will come to this game.
1: Yeah, and referencing that win, that was in 2010. So nine years ago, that was a 38-31 win over number 23 NC State with Russell Wilson at the helm.
0: I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson, one of the better NFL quarterbacks now. I don't think that Tommy DeVito, Syracuse's freshman, will pan out to be like Russell Wilson. So maybe they'll have a better shot in this one than they did even against NC State when they beat them. So I think they do have a better shot in this game against Syracuse.
1: They made history last week. Maybe they will make it again. As we wrap things up, has your prediction changed after this discussion? Has it stayed the same? Because you may have swayed me a little bit, I have to admit.
0: I'm going to stay the same because I always go with my first gut. And when I change it, I'm always right the first time. (laughs) So I'll say 24 to 20, the Terps take it. And I think it'll be close. A lot of scoring happens spread out. It won't be one quarter. There's a lot of scoring or one half. There's a lot of scoring. I think it'll be spread out throughout the game and it'll be 24 to 20 Maryland.
1: So I'm going to stick with my 20 to 17. I think that's the line for this game, but you know, I think that Maryland could have a chance. Um, so I'm going to say that Maryland could win. I, I think I'm just going to stay doubtful on this one, to be honest, because, you know, usually I am a bit bold about predictions. But with this one, I'm just I, th- I really think it could go either way. But I will hold on the fact that it will be a 20 to 17 score. There will not be more than, you know, 20 or 24 points scored by either team.
0: So the Terps and the Orange kick off at noon on Saturday. Catch that game at Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium, or on ESPN. And we'll have you covered with Testudo Times from all of that, all from field hockey this weekend in the Big Ten ACC Cup, as well as men's soccer, women's soccer, and volleyball. So thank you for joining us on the weekly podcast for Testudo Times. I'm Matt Levine. For my partner, Lila Bromberg, we say thank you for joining us and stay tuned for all the coverage from Maryland Terrapin Sports. And we'll be back next week with more And a recap from the Maryland and Syracuse football game.